Take your Bibles, please. Good evening, everybody, and take your Bibles. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Isn't this life full of trials? Sorrow, tribulation. We've been thinking about and praying for Israel and all of the things going on there. And so praise God, we have grace and strength to meet every trial. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises. That's the key. Trust the promises of God's word. Wow, when we rest on God's word, we have hope and strength and confidence. Worry and anxiety flee away. And praise God for that. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. That is so true, isn't it? That is so very true. Well, again, welcome everybody. If you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 22, we're looking at the scene of the Last Supper. We have now, in the Gospel of Luke, arrived to these final moments of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. Soon he will be hanging on the cross in just a matter of hours. He will be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He will go to trial. He will be found innocent. He will be nailed to a tree. He will pay for the sins of the world. And then he will be buried and on the third day rise from the dead. And in these last moments, we find betrayal. One of the 12 betraying the Lord. Luke chapter 22, look at verse 21. Right after speaking of the Last Supper and the great significance of it, Luke 22, verse 21, Jesus said, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. The hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. You're looking around, you've got Jesus' hands, and you've got 24 other pairs of hands, 12 disciples. And one of those hands are going to pick up 30 pieces of silver and turn the location of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane over to the high priest so he can be arrested. Dirty hands of betrayal at the table. Verse 22, and truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. This was all part of God's providence, part of his plan, part of his sovereign rule over all the world, that he would be betrayed by one of his own. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, and now Judas himself has fulfilled it. The death of Jesus, his betrayal, arrest, and death was not an accident. It was predetermined and foreknown by God the Father in eternity past so that we might be saved. But even then, verse 22 says, But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. Judas had a free will. He had the ability to resist or not, but he and Jesus knew that even with the active ministry of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' own physical presence, Judas's heart would not be softened. Instead, it would be hardened, and he would even uh, fulfill the will of Satan in the death of Jesus. Verse 23, then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do, do such a thing, who would do this thing. That was our first word from last week. The next word is, is uh, pride. You have betrayal at the Last Supper, and you have pride at the Last Supper. Let's look at verse 24, but let's have a word of prayer. Father, in our short time this evening in the Word of God, I pray that you will speak to us about betrayal. Boy, it's so easy even for us who are close to you to betray you, to love sin and 
and even love secret sin, to desire that which aligns with Satan in his crafty sinfulness rather than that which is truth and righteousness in Christ. It's possible, Father, for us to argue and to even get into disputes as a local church as to who's greater, this issue of pride. Then there's denial, and then there's trouble. Oh, help us, Father, from these sins of the flesh. Give us grace and mercy to meet and strength to meet every trial and temptation. We pray in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Verse 24. Now, there was also a dispute among them. There was quarreling at the Last Supper, at the table, quarreling, disputing, as to which of them should be considered the greatest. This is the third time it has been mentioned with the twelve. The first time was in Luke chapter 9, when they were up in the Galilee. Jesus had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and he performed a great miracle. Now he's coming down to the region of Capernaum, and he stops and he tells the disciples, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of wicked men. And while he's explaining this, somewhere on that road to Capernaum, the disciples are arguing about who is going to be the greatest in heaven. That was months ago. And Jesus had to take a little child into their midst, Luke chapter 9 says. And Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, innocent with faith, Um, then you have no part of the kingdom of heaven. Well, then they worked their way all the way down to Jericho. Remember blind Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus up in a tree? And as they're leaving Jericho and they're going up the mountain to, to Jerusalem where Jesus would be crucified, now we're talking just days, if not just a few short weeks before this episode, a second time the disciples in Mark 10 are arguing about who's, who's going to be the greatest in heaven. This time it was James and John. And we know from another gospel, it was the mother of James and John that comes along and says, Jesus, we want you to do something for us that we ask. Jesus says, well, what, what are you asking? We want one to sit at your right hand and one to sit at your left. Even mother got involved and said, oh, my boys, give them a great place in heaven. Give them a great place in the kingdom. Give them high positions for their walking with you and their, and their faithfulness. Well, here's a third time. Probably at the seating arrangement might be a part of it. In the seating arrangement, it was a triclium, a three-sided table. We know that Jesus is on the, if you're looking at the triclium, Jesus is on the left side. And John the Apostle, the youngest, is next to him on the right. And Judas is to the left. These are the seats of honor. Little John and Judas, the betrayer, are the closest to Jesus. It appears, because of the Gospel of John, that um, John and Peter can communicate across the tables to each other. So that would mean, if John is to the right of Jesus, Peter is way on the other side of the U-shape. The very end chair, probably the lowest position of all. Now, Peter, he's not used to that. He's used to always being in the front of the row, isn't he? Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Now they're seated for this last Passover meal with the Lord, and there's dispute. Can you imagine the, the discussion going on? Nathaniel's like, hey, you guys, I got the winner here. I'm a man without guile. Thomas is like, no way. The Lord loves me the best. People think I'm doubting, but I was ready to go to Jerusalem with Jesus. He loves me the best. And then Thaddeus and all of, they're all arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And 
And Peter, James, and John, they're all involved in this dispute. You know what we call this? We call this pride. Listen, pride gets no pleasure out of having something. You know that? Pride doesn't get pleasure out of just having something. Pride wants more than the next person. It's not just having status. You want more status than other people. You want to walk in the building and have everybody look at you. You want to have more things than other people so that you would look like you have an elevated status, a greater position in the ranking system of the world. It is the comparison that makes you a proud person. The pleasure of being above the rest. It's pride is looking down on others. It is saying, I've got more ability. I've got more character. I've got more charisma. I've got more possessions. I've got more power. I've got more rank. I've got more status than anybody else here. There is no one great in our church, myself included. There is only a great Savior. There's nobody great here. We're all servants of the Lord. We're all his slaves. We have different functions, but, we're, but there's no great people here. There's only a great Savior. And you know the thing about pride? Everybody in the world hates pride, and everybody deals with it, and nobody thinks they have it. That's the issue. We can spot it quickly in others. Trust me. I can find pride everywhere I, I look. I can see it, except in myself. Then there's, no, I don't see any pride here. So look what Jesus says in Luke 22. Well, before we look at what he said, do you know what he did? In John 13, he looks around. He hears the discussion about the dispute of greatness. He sees dirty feet. And what Jesus does is he gets up, he takes off his teaching robe. He lays his teaching robe aside. He takes the garment of a servant and he girds himself with the servant's apron. He grabs a bowl that was sitting, because it was a furnished room, remember that? It was a furnished room. So there would have been a basin with a towel and water for washing feet as you came in. That was just basic hospitality 101. You just learned that from your mama when you were little. You, white, the, the youngest person in the room, the one that's going to be the servant of all is going to wash the feet of everybody as they come in. And Jesus, he notices nobody has done this. And they're all arguing about how great they are. And so Jesus goes and he washes the disciples' feet. Can you imagine the dirty toenails, the broken toenails, the, the dirt, the smell? And Jesus wipes and washes each one. That would have taken time. I, I bet that would have just cut the conversation down to like, I feel like smaller than this small. Jesus says in verse 25, the kings of the Gentiles, the political rulers of the day, they exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them, well, they're called benefactors. They've got money and they've got power and they expect to be served. 
I'm important. You give me the red carpet. You give me the best seat. I paid more money around here than you did. So, and I have more power, so everybody bows down to me and kisses my ring. This is the way the Gentile political rulers worked. And Jesus says, that is not your model. That is not your model. We're not walking around here thinking, how are people going to serve me today? I want to be served. I want to be recognized. I want people to know how great I really am. And they better show it and all that they do and say. That's how the political Gentile rulers of the day worked. Jesus said, not you. Not for you. Verse 26, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs as he who serves. You want to be great in the eyes of God? Then you ought to be the servant of all, the slave of all. You know, humility, humility is not thinking of yourself like a doormat. Like, I'm a nobody. Oh, nobody likes me. I'm a nobody. I can't do anything right. Nobody likes me. That is actually huge pride. Because I'm thinking about myself. Humility is not thinking less of myself. It's not thinking of myself at all. You walk in and you're not thinking about yourself at all. You're thinking about others. What can I do to serve others? How can I bless others? How can I benefit others? How many times do we do th- something and think, I just hope some people see me do it? Because I, I need some accolade. I need some, some status here. But literally, we ought to be in the church as one who doesn't even think of ourselves. It's not that we try to think of ourselves as bad people or less people. We just simply don't even think about it. We're not thinking about ourselves. We're we're thinking about others. That's the difficulty about humility. Once you think you have it, it's gone. It vanishes. It's gone. So Jesus says, Don't be like the Gentile political rulers, the benefactors who lorded over others and expect to be served. Rather, the greatest one among you, let him be as the younger. The younger served. The the younger individuals served the elders, and the one who governs, let him be as one who serves. Verse 27, Jesus uses his own example. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? What's the answer, everybody? Who's greater? The one who sits at the table and says, I'd like some milk. Bring the vegetables. Time for dessert. And then you got the person going, here's the dessert. Here are the vegetables. Which one's greater? The one that can clap their hands and get everybody moving? Or the one that simply does what they're told for minimum wage? Obviously, the greater one is the one who sits at the table and eats. The servant isn't the great one. The one eating at the table is the great one. And Jesus says, I, listen, look at this verse, 27. Is it not he who sits at the table? Um, Of course, that's common, that's basic logic. Yet, Jesus says, I I am among you as the one who serves, as he's got his hands wet and pruny from washing the disciples' feet. He says, listen, disciples, who is the greatest in the room? I am God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I have given life to every being. 
I have created every star and galaxy. There is nothing I cannot do. And yet I have left that position and, and came to serve, not to be served. See the difference? I've said this many times, there is a letter of the alphabet that kills churches and it kills marriages and it kills families. You know what, what's that letter of the alphabet? I, I want, but I want. Verse 28, now if I was Jesus, Man, I would not stop here. I would go all the way to the end to make these guys feel absolutely crummy. And look at what Jesus does. He, listen, Jesus does not have a mean bone in his body. He is, he is not a mean man, a mean God. Look at what he says, verse 28. But you, you are those who have continued with me in my trials. He goes, I love your companionship. I love being with you young men, my disciples. You've been with me in all my trials, all the journeys, all the eating outside, all the miracles, all the teachings. He's like, I love being with you. And I want to say thank you for sticking with me, for just being with me in all of my journeys these last three years of trials. Isn't that amazing? God just delights, even though, listen, these disciples, they couldn't put two and two together. Jesus is teaching them, and they're like, what did you mean? What do you mean bread? Do we not have bread? Do we need more bread? What kind of bread are you talking? No, I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. Do they have bread? What kind of leaven do you need? I'll go to the store and get it. No, I'm talking about bad doctrine. We still don't get it, Lord. I mean, these disciples couldn't get it. And and in all of these years, how many times did Jesus have to like say, okay, let's try it again. Let's start over. We'll do the ABCs one more time. And then here he says, yet you are the ones who have stuck with me through all of these trials of mine. What a blessing. What a God we serve. Isn't he wonderful? There's none like him. No, not one. Verse 29. He hasn't quite forgotten, though, that there is something coming which gives us motivation not to fight for the throne right now. So we shouldn't be fighting for the throne. We should be really reaching for the towel to serve one another. This is not the time to be exerting ourselves as number one. Like underneath here, I've got a t-shirt, number one pastor. You know, that, this is not the time for any of those kinds of games. That's sinful. That's, those are terrible games. Because there's, the time is coming when Jesus is going to set up his kingdom and we all get a place in it. So can we wait? Yes, we can wait. He says, verse 29, And I bestow upon you, you 11, because Judas is going to go commit suicide after he betrays, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, a kingdom. What a blessing. Do you know that there's a kingdom coming for you in the church age as the bride of Christ? It's the kingdom of Israel. We're not subjects in, in Israel. That's the Jewish people. We're the, we're, the, we're the bride of Christ. What a blessing. And so they receive a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me. Since we're in Christ, we also receive the kingdom. 
that you may eat and drink at my table. Jesus says, don't worry about the, all that tomfoolery of pride and arrogance and disputing about who's greatest. We're going to eat together in the, in the kingdom. And what a feast that's going to be. Who's going to be arguing about where you sit in the kingdom? You know, Nobody's going to be like, oh, Lord, I'm down here at, at uh, seat number 126. I, I really think I should be at least 120 or higher. There's none of that going on. We're going to be eating and drinking at the table of the Lord in his kingdom and sitting on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So the church will have ruling and reigning responsibilities over Israel and over all the angels, 1 Corinthians 6. Isn't that incredible? With that coming in the future, like, what, who, do we really need to fight about who's greatest around here? <laughs> Isn't it kind of foolish? We're just arguing about who's number one down here when none of us are number one. Jesus is. And then in the kingdom, we get all of our rewards and the blessings of eternal life with him and all of that. So let's lay aside the pride. Um, of course, every, the root of every single sin is pride. Every single sin. If you trace it all the way back, I don't care what sin it is. You pick a sin. You trace it all the way back. It goes to you, are, you think you're great. You think you're greater than God. And you deserve something that God has not given or provided. Ultimately, pride is at the root of every single, every single sin, every single evil. Wow, I only got through one of my three points. I better stop, though, so we have time for our... Uh, I better stop so we have time uh, to have our business meeting. Well, I want you to think about denial. Because going from this dispute of over pride and position, then Jesus is going to address the denial, how Satan wants to, he wants to sift the, the, the 11, because Judas is gone now. Jude, Satan has asked to attack the 11 disciples. You know, like you go to um, Stephen Judy's house, and the cat there has, uh, what do you call it, catnip or toys or whatever? And man, the cat loves to play with all these yarn toys and things like that, right, Judy? They love that. And Satan's like, give me the 11 disciples, and I'm going to do that with them. I'm going to throw them around. I'm going to play them. I'm going to sift them like wheat. And Jesus is like, okay, i got to help you with this one. So he's going to help the disciples. And then he's going to tell the disciples, there was a time early in ministry where you went out without a backpack. You didn't go with any extra sandals. You didn't bring anything with you. No money, no weapons, no nothing. And I provided everything for you. But things are going to change. Trouble is coming. You need to go get your backpack. Go get an extra pair of sandals. Why was Jesus... Oh, and if you, have, if you don't have a sword, sell a garment and then buy a sword and then bring that with you. Like, why is Jesus saying all of this? Well, there's a reason. It's really amazing. Um, but we'll stop here for tonight. Let's pray. Father, oh, pride is the last, I believe, of the sins that will ever be dealt with in our life. We can maybe get victory over various other besetting sins, but we will always have to deal with pride, where we think we are greater than we are. We simply want to not think about ourselves. We want to think of, above you first, and then we want to think of others, to be a blessing and a benefit and a help to others. Help us not fight for our agenda, our position, our rights, our way, our will. But let your will be done and let us live together in harmony and unity and peace and in love. This world is full of arrogance. 
It's full of pride. This is how the political realm works, but not so in the kingdom of God, not so in the church. Help us remember, Father, that there are no greats here, only one that's great, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We love him, and we want him pleased and delighted with this ministry. Bless this ministry, grow it and increase it for the glory of Jesus. Amen.